Would you turn with me, please, this evening to the book of Romans? Book of Romans and the fifth chapter. And we'll read our text and pray and release our faith this evening. For some weeks now, I believe this is our 10th session, we've been ministering, speaking on the subject of reigning in life, reigning in life. And our text is Romans 5, so let's read this and review just a bit and get into what I believe we should see tonight. Romans 5 and verse 17. He said, if by one man's offense death reigned by one, much more they which receive abundance of grace and of the gift of righteousness shall reign in life by one Jesus Christ. By the abundance of grace, by the gift of righteousness, we are to reign, not just when we get to heaven, reign in life by our Lord, our Savior, Jesus, the Christ, the Anointed One. Now, if you've been with us, you know that we went back to Genesis and we saw that God created man to have dominion. We saw that through Adam and Eve bowing their knee, To the enemy and obeying him, yielding to him instead of yielding to God, they transferred their authority to him. You don't rule over the one you yield to. That's why the scripture said, submit yourself to God. Resist the devil. He'll flee from you. So we've talked about how that we have been made righteous and in righteousness we rule and reign. We talked about how condemnation makes Christians timid and fearful and condemned and they won't step out and they won't rebuke a sickness or they I mean there are millions of Christians on the planet it never crossed their mind to command a fever to leave their baby did you hear me never crossed their mind to command the enemy to take his hands off their money and charge the angels to go and cause the supply to come in they don't think like that at all, if they hear you know, some of us, they think we're strange. And yet that's how Jesus operated. I said, that's how Jesus operated, and there is no better example to follow than him. Right? He showed us how to do it. He spoke to fevers, and they left. He spoke to trees, and it obeyed. He spoke to wind and waves. He spoke to demons. Right? He called to the dead, and they rose up. Lazarus! Come out of there. And he did. Yeah, but he's God. He is, but he was not doing those things as God. He did them as a man. Anointed with the Spirit. And he told us, if we'd believe on him, the works that he did, would we do also? And greater works than these we'd do, because he was going to the Father. We're to continue those works. We've begun reading in the book of Acts. In our regular, you know, chapter per day reading. And if you notice how that book started off, it said, the former account, O Theophilus, I've written to you of all that Jesus began 
to teach and to do. The four gospel accounts are a record of all that Jesus finished. No. Now, when he went to the cross and he said it is finished, the redemption, offering and sacrifice that no other man could do, he's done. And he's been raised from the dead and is sitting at the right hand of the Father. And the work is done and the price is paid. Amen. But his ministry, his ministry of teaching and preaching and power and deliverance and healing, all that he did, the book of Acts in the first couple of verses, first chapter, he said was the beginning It was the beginning. And now you can see it reading the book of Acts. It's a continuation. Right? Of what Jesus started and now continues to do through his body. The church. On the earth. How many believe and understand the book of Acts is still being written? I don't know what chapter we're in now. (laughs) But it's still being written. And there's supposed to be exploits. Being done. Miracles being accomplished, right? Just as it was in the days of the beginning. So we've talked about a number of things. We talked about fellowshipping with the Lord and boldness in our last session. But I'd like for you to go with me this evening to the book of Job. Can any good thing come out of Job? (laughs) It's amazing. That so much of the church, we're going to Job 22, so much of the church, all they know about Job is pain, strain, and I guess I'm like poor old Job, and completely miss the punchline. Have you ever read the book of Job? Anybody know how it ended up? Job got healed. And got twice as much money and stuff as he had. And he was a multi-billionaire when it started. Go figure it up. I'm not just pulling a word out of, uh, you know, off the top of my head. Multi-billionaire. Figure up all the stuff he had that's listed and the current value of it. And then try to get an idea of what it would take to take care of that kind of stuff. Right? Growing up in the South, I heard this phrase, poor as Job's turkey. You ever heard that before? If Job had a turkey, it'd be a thousand dollar turkey. The man was a multi-billionaire, right? (laughs) But here in Job, notice this. We've talked about this before in this study, but I want to go into it in some more detail tonight. Job 22, Job 22, 28. Well, this is so good. Let's back up. To 21. Job 22, 21. Acquaint now yourself with him and be at peace. Thereby good shall come to you. Receive, I pray you, the law from his mouth and lay up his words in your heart. If you return to the Almighty, you shall be built up. You shall put away iniquity far from your tabernacles. Then shall you lay up gold as dust. Am I reading the Bible? (laughs) Does this belong to believers? And the gold of Ophir as stones of the brooks. Yea, the Almighty shall be your defense and you shall have plenty of silver. Hmm. How many claim that verse for yourself? 
For then you'll have your delight in the Almighty. You'll lift up your face to God. You'll make your prayer to Him. He'll hear you. You'll pay your vows. You shall also decree a thing and it shall be established to you and the light shall shine upon your ways. Glory to God. What a wonderful word from the Lord. How many understand this word wouldn't be any more true or powerful if the Lord himself came through the ceiling right now and stood and looked at you and told you these words. It's not any less the word of God because we read it off this page. Said out loud, the word of God God is God speaking to me. me. I receive his words words for myself. myself. I expect their fulfillment fulfillment in my life. life. You remember what uh, Mary said when the angel told her about the conception of Jesus. What did she say? Behold, the handmaid of the Lord, be it to me. In other words, just like what you said, let it happen to me. According to your word, be it to me. You receive it. When the Lord tells you something, you don't just go, well, we'll see. But you just never know. That's blatant unbelief. And it angers the Lord, I'm telling you. People think it's not a big deal. Study and see what made the Lord angry. Unbelief. I mean, aggravated him. Made him angry. So it is an issue. It's a big deal. Notice that scripture again. He said, you shall what? Verse 28. You shall decree a thing. And what will happen? Is that another way of saying it will happen? It will come to pass? You shall decree a thing. And it will be established to you. And the light will shine on your ways. Now we're talking about ruling and reigning in life. And without turning there, let me just read these to you. We've looked at these before, but let me remind you. Revelation 5:10 says that we've been made to our God kings and priests, and we shall reign on the earth. Ecclesiastes 8, we've studied these before. I'm just reminding you. Ecclesiastes 8. 4 and 5 says, where the word of a king is, there is power. Where the what? The word of a king. You shall decree a thing. Well, you're going to do that through words. How will we rule and reign in life? Through our words. Through our decrees. Kings reign with words, like we've said before. If the king wants a ditch dug, he doesn't look for a shovel. Right? If he's the king, and he's got all his subjects, and he's got all his helpers, and all his armies, and all his... If he wants a ditch dug, how does he get it dug? He says something. Right? He says, let the ditch be dug. And somebody's going to go running for a shovel. Is that right? Because he's the king. He's to be obeyed. Well, you and I are to rule and reign in this life as kings and kings rule with their words. Now, I've heard this. Thank God for the teaching of Brother Hagin, Kenneth Hagin, on this subject of confession and words and other men like Charles Capps and Kenneth Copeland and Jerry Savelle and And the list goes on and on. You know, I began to hear some of these things some decades ago. 
changed my life forever. And in reviewing and thinking about these things again, stirring myself up on them, you just begin to see it's more important than you thought it was. It is so vital. Our words are so important. So important. In talking about ruling and reigning, reigning with words, the scripture tells us that we can decree a thing and it be established to us. But if that's the case, why are so many Christians not doing it? Why are they not reigning? And why is probably most of the church world make fun of people like us and call us the name it, claim it? Confess it, possess it. They think it's preposterous that we think or we're convinced that we could say something and it'd come to pass. They think, what kind of hocus pocus mumbo jumbo is that? And again, it's just because of being so terribly ignorant of the Bible. How does God operate? Does he rule? Does he reign? How does he do it? He does it with his words. Are God's words important to him? Are they precious to him? I mean, the Bible talks about he's exalted his word above his name. His word. I mean, when you start talking about the word, you're talking about a person. The word became flesh. Right? And dwelt among us. In the beginning, you're sitting on this chair. We're here in the state of Missouri. Where did the state of Missouri come from? Where did the Ozark Hills come from? The air we breathe. The sunlight that we'll enjoy in the morning. How's it here? Where did it come from? God spoke. He said, light be. And through his words, he created. Hebrews 11 tells us that we understand that by faith, the worlds were created by the word of God. So that things that we see were not made from things that appear. God is spirit and he spoke out of himself. And what he had conceived in himself and what he could see by faith, he put that faith into his words and he released it. And it became. In all of the history of the Bible, with every people in every time, everything he did, he did through his words. But people hear that and they think, well, yeah, yeah, but that's God, Brother Keith. No, we are the children of God. We're created in his likeness and image. We also are created to rule and reign and have dominion from the very beginning. Why would we think we're going to do it in a different way from our creator? How should we rule and reign? Through our words. Now the enemy knows this. And he fears faith-filled words of righteous, Jesus-name-authorized children of God. He fears it. And so he has worked overtime for centuries to confuse people and cause people to believe lies about this to the point that so much of the church pays little to no attention to what they say, what it means. They do not speak with purpose. People think talking is simply so I can express myself. Most of the world thinks we have a tongue and we can speak so that I can express how I feel 
and what I think. But we were never created to operate on such a low level. Does God just speak lightly or randomly? What if he did? What if God spoke like many Christians? Hmm? What if God got so aggravated and he looked down and said, Oh, you stupid bunch, you'll never amount to anything. Then we never would. That'd be it. And yet you got Christians talk to their children that way. Hmm? Now we're going to get into this some more. Are you ready for this tonight? We're going to delve into this. But I'll just warn you ahead of time, if you, when you see it real clearly, you're going to have a task in front of you. And it's taming that thing under your nose. How many believe the answer to people's problems is right under their nose? Go to James. <laughs> oh, boy. You should see some of the looks. I'm getting all over the crowd here, man. I? There's a whole lot of poking going on. <laughs> Pointing and... <laughs> James. Chapter 3. Are you believing with me? Yes. Believe with me. This is so important. In fact, let's just stop and pray just a little bit further right here. Father, we thank you so much for your precious word. You are right. Anybody that disagrees with you is wrong. Enlighten us. Help us to see things the way they really are, the way you know them and see them to be. Give everybody ears to hear and eyes that see in enlightenment. Help us to come up to a higher level of understanding and operation in these things. And we purpose by your grace not to be forgetful hearers, hearers only, but by your grace we shall be doers, putting these things into practice. And we know as we do, we'll be blessed, for you're faithful to watch over your word and perform it in our lives. In Jesus' name, amen. James, chapter 3, verse 2. James 3, 2. He said, in many things we offend all. Another way of saying that is all of us have, have made mistakes in different areas. If any man offend not in what? Word. In word. Or in what he or she says. The same is a perfect, where it also means complete, mature man or woman, and able also to bridle the whole body. Do we believe this? Then what's the key? What is the key to development and maturity? What's the key? Control in our mouth, our words. What's the key to controlling our whole body? Overcoming every bad habit. Reaching every goal. What's the key? According to the Bible. It's our words. So if we've been struggling or if we've been falling, if we've been failing, where's the first place to look? What have you been saying? Right? 
The thing is, the world is flowing downstream in the negative vein fast. And if you'll talk negative and talk failure and talk unbelief, nobody will notice. Because that's what they're talking. Right? When you begin to turn and go upstream and talk faith and talk victory and call things that be not as though they were, now you're going to stand out. People are going to say, oh, you're one of them. From that rich church. You're one of those faith people. And people say it with disdain. But that's all right. That's all right. They can still be talking about it when you're enjoying the blessing. When Phyllis is reading your big testimony. Right? They can still be scoffing and making fun. But this is how the Bible. Remember the Bible. The Bible tells you how to operate it. Keep reading. If we control our words, we won't miss it. We'll develop. We'll be mature. The Bible says perfect. And we'll be able to control the whole body. Verse 3, he gives illustrations. He says, we put bits in the horse's mouths that they may obey us, and we turn about their whole body. Control a big horse with a little bit. Behold the ships, though they be so great, and are driven of fierce winds. Yet are they turned about with a very small helm, whithersoever the governor listeth or decides. Even so, the tongue is a little member. And he goes on to describe how it's just like the the rudder. It's just like the bit. Today, you'd probably say, like the steering wheel. Right? If you're in your car and you're doing 90 miles an hour south, does it do any good to just sit there and cry and go, I don't want to go south. (laughs) I'm going south so fast, but I don't want to go fast south. Please, y'all pray. I don't want to go south. (laughs) Call on your cell phone to prayer lines and go, y'all pray. I don't want to go south. (laughs) Y'all pray fast for me and pray. I don't want to go south. I'll press the accelerator and see if that'll help. I'll play the radio loud. I'll turn the signals on. No, there's only one thing going to help you. Right? People can pray to their horse, but until you get a hold of the steering wheel, right? You're going to have, at some point, you've got to get a hold of the steering wheel. Stop going south and turn that steering wheel and keep turning it until you're going the direction you want to go. But you got all kind of Christians that go, well, yeah, but I don't believe in steering wheels. <laughs> I know it sounds bizarre, but I just believe if I'm going south, I'm not going to be a hypocrite. If I'm going south, I'm going south. And I'm not going to say I'm not going south if I'm going south. Well, just go south then. But how do you turn it around? You turn the horse around with the bit. You turn the ship around with the rudder. Turn the car around with the steering wheel. How do you turn your life around? With your mouth. How many understand millions of Christians don't believe that? They don't believe this at all. They don't believe it. But the Bible is true. Right? And the thing is, you have to do like Romans uh, 4 says and call those things that be not as though they were. A ship. Huge, all these tons of cargo and all this hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of feet long and wide. 
You turn that rudder and you got a stiff wind. Well, that thing's not just going to spin around. It's moving this direction at a speed. It's got a lot of momentum. But the moment you turn that rudder, it's going to begin to turn. Is that right? It may take it a while, depending on what's going on, wind-wise and everything. But what do you do? You don't turn the rudder for three minutes and go, well, I'm still pretty much going the same way, so I guess I'll just turn it back. Well, you're never going to get turned. You've got to turn that rudder and hold it. Is that right? Hold it. And just keep holding it. And even if it takes a long time, just hold it. Yeah, but I got my rudder turned, you know, to the north, but I'm still going south. Well, just hold it. Hold it. Give it some time. How many know eventually you'll be headed the opposite direction? That's what you got to do with your mouth. I'm sick. I'm broke. I'm getting worse. I don't know what to do. I've done everything I know to do and it just gets worse. It gets worse. Get a hold of that thing. Ah! (laughs) And begin to say, I'm coming out. My God shall supply all my needs according to his riches in glory by Christ Jesus. You've built up momentum maybe for 40 years going the wrong way. You may still be heading that way, but get that mouth turned around. Right? (laughs) You may still be getting bills. You may still be going down financially, but say, I'm coming out. I'm coming out in Jesus' name. Jesus' name, I'm a giver. And because I do, God is all the time dealing with people to give to me. Money, favor. What will happen is the momentum will slow down. And eventually it stops getting worse. Did you hear me? But you're still not where you want to be. So what do you do? I call every bill paid. I call every need met. I always have plenty. I always have abundance. I've never seen the righteous forsaken. No, there's seed begging bread. God's made. Now, now you're taking back some of what you lost. Right? You begin to head the right way. Did you hear me? And if you hold your words in the right direction long enough, you'll begin to see it. It'll begin to materialize. Do you see where so many folk miss it? They say something, and if they don't see it all by dark, they think, well, this confession stuff don't work. I was working just wonderful. Thing is, it works just as effectively in the negative as it does positive. If you say it doesn't work for you, and you believe it doesn't work for you, then it doesn't work for you positively but it is working for you negatively all the power of your words go with me if you would to the book of proverbs this book is just full i mean just replete with reference after reference to the significance of our words let's go to the 18th chapter of Proverbs. Proverbs 18 and verse 2. 18 to Proverbs says, A fool has no delight in understanding, but that his heart may discover itself. Listen to the NIV. It says, A fool finds no pleasure in understanding, but delights in airing his own opinions. RSV says, only in expressing his opinion. The living says, all he wants to do is yell. (laughs) Skip down to verse 7. A fool's mouth is what? His destruction. 
and his lips are the snare of his soul. Verse 20. A man's belly shall be satisfied with what? The fruit of his mouth. And with the increase of his lips shall he be filled. How are you going to be filled? How are you going to get satisfied? By what you talk. By what you speak. What if you talk about how much you don't have? What if you talk about how people are not faithful to you? And how you don't understand how nobody will stay with you? And how nobody will be your friend? And how nobody's loyal to you? What are you saying? You're saying nobody's loyal to me. What if you say it a long time? You're going to begin to eat the fruit of it. Right? What if you say, well, nobody ever gives me anything. I don't know what they're all hyped up over at the church there for. Sometimes I wonder about those testimonies. Nobody ever give me anything. Yeah, and how long you been saying that? Hmm? You know what I've been saying for years? People are all the time giving me things. Now, you never get your eyes on any individual. Did you hear me? But the Bible says if you're a giver, which we are, then people are going to give to you. Why would they give to you? Because God's dealing with them. Right? Blessings of givers. You give and God's going to deal with somebody to give back to you. But see, years ago, I changed my words. The more you learn about this, you become more keen to your own wrong talking. But then you notice other people's wrong talking too. And you watch people that are in the worst places in life. People think, well, the biggest thing is no opportunity. The biggest thing is lack of education. Well, the biggest thing is this or is that. No, it's not. The biggest thing is what God said. Your words. Right? What are you saying? Nobody will give me a break. Nobody help me. Nobody help me. Nobody likes me. They're prejudiced against me because I'm white. (laughs) That's funny, Brother Keith. I've been to places where I was the only Caucasian there, Phyllis and I. And then somebody mentioned that we were from Mississippi. (laughs) And you just saw the countenance. I could almost see what one guy was thinking. He said, I bet his daddy was in the Klan. (laughs) Well, no, he wasn't. But you, what I'm saying is, you know, I mean, demographics say if you're a white male, you know, you got it made. But anybody can give an excuse about anything. You can say, because I'm a woman, because I'm a man, because I'm white, because I'm black, because I'm this. You can always find some reason why you're not successful. I was born in the wrong place. I didn't have enough education. You talk that and you are sealing your fate. You're sealing your destruction. But I don't care who you are. I don't care where you are. I don't care what's going on. If you begin to say, I'm the head and not the tail. I'm above only. Never on the bottom. I'm blessed of the creator of heaven and earth. No man can stand before me all the days of my life. I am in great favor with God and man. Everywhere I go, he gives me victory. 
everywhere I go, His Spirit is on me. What if you talk that all the time? Would it make a difference? What if you owed everybody money and you were so broke, couldn't buy a tank of gas to get out of town? But you quit talking poverty and you quit talking bills and you quit talking about how far you are behind and you begin to say, I'm coming out. I'm coming out. I'm blessed. God, he's made me rich. He became poor for my sake so that I could be made rich. I'm claiming bountiful harvest off of every good seed. What would happen to you? I know personally what would happen to you. Because we were there. And we're not there anymore. I said we're not there anymore. We're in a position to give to others. And support the work of God. Glory to God. But where do we go from here? Where we'll go where our words will take us. I said we'll go where our words would take us. Keep reading. Verse 21, death and life are in the power of the tongue, and they that love it shall eat the fruit thereof. Death and life are in the power of the tongue. How many believe that? Literally? Is that true? Well, think about how you're born again. How did you become saved? How did you become born again? Romans 10, 9 and 10. What? If you're what? Confess with your mouth. Right? That Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead. You'll be saved. If you'll confess, you released your faith through your words. And you confess Jesus as the Lord of your life. Power was released. Spirit recreated. Now... Let me ask a question and give you some answers. And you're believing with me, right? Man, this is so big. We really got to be led. We rule and reign through our words. But there are people, like I said, they would never dare speak to a situation. They just don't believe it. They hadn't been taught it. They don't believe it. But then there are other people. People like us, we've heard some of these things. And then there are people who've said things and they didn't happen. I want to answer some of that tonight. In fact, I want to give you three reasons why people, Christians, that at least believe in the principle of confession and faith, have said things and they didn't happen. They said things and they didn't come to pass. So we can make the adjustments so that this doesn't continue to happen. Because if you do that and you do that, you say things and it didn't happen, you say things and it didn't happen, well, that'll hurt your faith. That'll discourage you from saying other things. And that's why people get to the place where they kind of say amen when they hear the principle, but they're not ruling and reigning in words because... In their heart and mind, they've kind of thought, well, that don't really work. Certainly don't work all the time. But now you've got to remember what you're talking about. This is the Word of God, not some man's idea. It's true. Whether you've seen it or not, it's right. 
Whether you've experienced the fullness of it or not, and you have to make a commitment to the word, not based on what you see and feel. Why is it that people say things? Christians have said things, and they didn't happen. Well, number one is a very obvious one. People say things, but they didn't say it in faith. I said they didn't say it in faith. If you'll say to this mountain, be thou removed, be thou cast into the sea, don't doubt in your heart, but what? Believe what? Believe what you are saying. Will come to pass, then what? You'll have whatever you said. Who said that? Jesus. Is he right? He's right. If you'll say to that problem, get out of my life, be gone. And if you will not doubt, but if you'll believe what you say comes to pass, you'll have what you say. A lot of times people say things, but they never believed it. Just because you said something does not mean you believed it. Right? That's why sometimes people say, well, I know so-and-so. I heard them making the confessions. Well, that doesn't mean they believed it. Right? You have people try to come back and say, well, it didn't work. How do you know it didn't work? How do you know what they were believing? Right? You don't. I know uh, early in our ministry, I had two relatives at different times. Both of them had cancer, pronounced terminal. One of them, we began to help them with what we were learning about the word and faith. It's God's will for you to be healed. You can live and not die. And without going into it, it took a while. It took months. But they were given up, hopeless, bedfast, and they came all the way back, went back on the job. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Pronounced healed. Well, it wasn't a year or so, or well, I guess it was two or three after that, another relative of mine. Very similar situation. And I thought, well, hey, glory to God. We've learned how to do this now. So... Begin to work on them to get them the word. And actually I was, I traveled to where they were and sat by their bedside part of the time and read scriptures to them and talked to them. And man, from all I knew, they sounded good. They were talking good. But they got worse and worse and worse and died. Well, I'm in for the funeral and I'm perplexed. I'm thinking, Lord, They were saying, I'm going to live and not die. I heard them with my own ears. But what's the question we're asking, though? Did they believe it? Right? And the Lord, I know he just helped me with this. He helped me to see some things. Some people were talking. Some of this person's immediate family. And I was standing right there beside them. And they began to say some things. And as they did, my eyes got opened up. I was shocked because they began to describe how they said, thank you for coming and comforting so-and-so. Well, I wasn't just trying to comfort them. I was endeavoring, let's get healed and live. 
And they said, you know, and as soon as he would go, he'd call me in and we'd plan his funeral. And they'd pick out the songs and, and they'd talk about what kind of casket and, and that kind of thing. Was he expecting to live? Obviously not. So he was placating me. You understand? Saying what he thought I wanted to hear. But then he turned right around and planned, and it's obvious he's expecting to die. So even though he was saying some things, he didn't believe it. If you believe it, you expect. If you expect good things, it doesn't depress you. It excites you. Can you see what I'm saying? So many people say things, but they don't believe it. I said they don't believe it. You might say, well, Brother Keith, that's my case. I'm not convinced. How, How do you become convinced? How does faith come? Comes by hearing. Right? You just keep hearing it and hearing it and hearing it and hearing it. You know, how much should I hear? You're not going to overdose on it. It's not going to hurt you. Don't be concerned about that. You can get hurt not hearing enough. But just hear it and hear it. How will I know I'm making progress, Brother Keith? Because you'll begin to say it and you mean it. You'll begin to say it and you're excited. You begin to say it and it means you're not trying to make a confession. You're saying what you expect, what you believe. You're confident. Right? You can see it in people's eyes. You can hear it in the tone of their voice. You can see it in the countenance of their face. Faith is not just some imaginary thing. It's real. It's real. And so sometimes you may start out saying something and you don't believe it yet. But that's all right. Just keep saying it. Because when you're saying it, you're also hearing it. And you say it and you hear it and you hear it and you say it and you hear it. You stay with it. You'll begin to get excited in your spirit. Glory to God. Then you'll begin to say it in faith. And that's when you release power. That's when things begin to change. People don't get results because they say things. But they never believed it. They never believed what they said. We should weigh our words. Let me read this to you from Proverbs also and then explain to you what I'm talking about. Proverbs, you don't have to turn there, but Proverbs 10, 19 says, When words are many, sin is not absent. The NAS says, When there are many words, transgression is avoidable, unavoidable. The English says, the more you talk, the more likely you are to sin. If you're wise, you'll keep quiet. That's what the English version says. Talkativeness indicates you don't value your own words. Just talking and talking and talking and talking. In fact, if you take your notes, write this down. Write this down. What if everything you said came to pass? What if everything that came out of your mouth happened? How would your life be? See, I said people, all of us are growing in this, but so many people don't even have a clue about it. They think your words, you're talking, is just so I can express myself. It's just so I can tell what I think and how I feel. 
And really, that's the kind of stuff we shouldn't say. We shouldn't be talking all the time about what we feel. You shouldn't say everything that crosses your mind. But if your mouth is just in overdrive all the time, then if it crosses your mind, you're going to spit it out. Right? Proverbs 15. 15.28 says, The heart of the upright gives thought to his answer. But from the mouth of the evildoer comes a stream of evil things. The living says, A good man thinks before he speaks. The evil man or bad man pours out evil words without a thought. The heart of the righteous ponders to answer. What if God just said anything and didn't watch his words? We've already touched on that, but let's talk about it a little bit more. What if he talked like many Christians did? What if he saw something and he said, that just scared me to death. He'd die. It's like that. He'd be gone. Because everything he says comes to pass. Now, when you say something like that, people go, oh, now. That's, yeah, and that's why your words are powerless. If we desire the power to be turned up on our words, we've got to take our words seriously. Did you hear me? We've got to realize God making us a speaking spirit, making us in the God class of being, training us, preparing us to rule and reign with him in his eternal kingdom forever. Our words are not just so we can say how I feel and what I think. We're supposed to use words on purpose. We're supposed to put faith and vision in words, love in words, and do something with them. And the more we watch what we say, and the more we choose our words, and the more we release faith in what we say, God will be able to turn up the power. Turn up the power. Turn up the power. With some Christians, if the power was up high enough already on them, the next guy that pulled out in front of them on the street would die. You know what I'm saying? Because they'd say some dumb, stupid thing and they'd go, car would explode or something. And they'd go. How many understand what it would mean? We, I know we don't, but to try to think what it would mean if God said the wrong thing. That's why he never says the wrong thing. Ever. He never says something just because he feels something or because he doesn't like something or mm -mm. something can anger him for centuries. He doesn't speak concerning it unless he's decided to release something towards it. Did you hear me? But when he says it, it's forever. And when he says it, it has to happen. We're created in his likeness, in his image, in his family. 
Listen to uh, the scripture in Ephesians. A lot of you know it, but Ephesians 5, 1 in the Amplified says, Therefore, be imitators of God. Copy Him. Follow His example. As well-beloved children imitate their Father. If our words are to become powerful and life-changing, they must become more like God's words. Right? Did you notice Mark eleven twenty three? If you'll say, not doubt in your heart, but believe that what you say, believe what? What have you got to believe? What you said. He didn't say believe what God said. Of course, we should believe that. But this is you must believe what? You've got to have faith in your own words. That's what we're talking about. The Lord said this to my heart some years ago. I wrote it down. Concerning confession and concerning prayer. If you'll be more selective, you'll be more effective. If you'll be more selective, you'll be more effective. Too many, and I know it's just ignorance and immaturity. I've done it too, and especially in times past. Too many in so-called word and faith circles are too hasty with their word. I mean, every other breath is, uh, yeah, I'll agree with you in Jesus' name. Yeah, we'll just command this. Yeah, we'll just bind this. And they're just doing stuff, and there's no power in it, and it's not happening It's just religion. Even though it's called word and faith. Did you hear me? People think it's the right response. Somebody comes to you and says, you know, I was just diagnosed with a terminal disease. Well, we'll just rebuke that thing, you know. Well, now hold on. Are you ready? Are you ready to release a word that you will never back off of as long as you live? Are you ready to release faith because you know that you know that you know you've heard from God? You know it's the Word of God. You're fully persuaded in your heart. Do you see what I'm talking about? People are too quick to pray. They're too quick to say because it's not real to them. Their their attitude is, well, we'll throw a bunch of stuff out there and we hope some of it sticks. Mm -mm. You notice how Jesus operated. We talked about this last week. Jesus said, of course, if anybody could have just said and spoken and done it, will you would have thought it had been the master. He said, I only say what I hear my father say. I only see, do what I see him do. He was not just saying things all the time. Oh, but when he said it, it happened every time. Being over hasty with your words, the Bible says, in the multitude of words, there wanteth not sin. What does that mean? If you're just always talking, always saying things, then uh, you'll always be missing it. You'll be missing it again and again and failing again and again. Let's break ourselves from the habit of throwing around the name of Jesus. Let's break ourselves 
from the bad habit of just mindlessly saying we bind this or we claim this or we do this. And then not even remember two days later what you said. Right? I'm answering the question why people have said things and they didn't happen. It's because so much is said and people don't believe it. They release no faith. I'm thinking about Brother Hagin, Kenneth Hagin, my spiritual father, telling about years ago when he was on the road, he wasn't well known, and his little daughter had a problem of growth on her eye. He had been raised up healed off of a deathbed, healed from an incurable blood disease, deformed heart, deformed chest cavities, born so premature they said he couldn't live, but God raised him up. When multiple doctors and, and, and hospitals said he could not live, and yet he did. And he's seen all these healings, miraculous things. But when this came up, he said, you know, this is not something that is just going to kill her today or, or even next week. But it's something that's not right. And it's something that has to be dealt with. So he began to meditate on healing scriptures. He could quote most of them. But he went back and read them. And then the afternoon, meditate on them. What's he doing? He's getting ready. I said he's getting ready to release his words. He did this day after day, day after day, day after day. Wake up in the nighttime and just pray in the spirit about it. Until it came up in his heart. After many days of this, it came up in his heart and he spoke to it from another state. And he told his wife, Miss Aretha, to tell his daughter, it'll be fine. And sure enough, it went away. I bring that up to say, he didn't just say it when they said, well, so-and-so's got a problem. Well, let me just, let me just bind that in Jesus' name. You understand what I'm saying? Isn't that how so many people talk? And there's no power in their words. And there's no results either. And people go, well, just don't know, you know, why things don't always work out. You know, there are reasons. And one of the big reasons is just no faith in the words. So what should we do? Operate like Jesus did. You're always checking your heart. Right? Thank God for the Holy Spirit. Right? Praying in the Spirit. Feeding your faith on the Word of God. Keeping yourself built up. Amen? And then when something comes up, you're not rash. You're not hasty to just say something or just pray something. This is so prevalent. You're going to have to be strong in some situations because some people just push you and they don't understand these things. Well, why won't you just pray right now? And you know they're not ready to pray. They're not ready to release faith. But people don't put a priority on the word. I know one time a lady came for healing at the healing school where I was working. And she wanted me to pray right then that she'd be healed. And, and so I started to and I asked her a couple of questions. And I saw, man, she's not even remotely ready to release faith. She's not even believing at all. I said, well, healing school starts in about an hour. Come and sit under the word. Because faith comes how? Hear. By hearing. She said, oh, I ain't got time. I got to go shopping with my daughter. She just got through telling me the doctors told her it's terminal. Someone said, what did she do? Well, she went shopping. What does that mean? Just ignorant of the things of God, don't understand, don't see the value and the priority. Why do we have so many empty chairs in here tonight? 
just gross ignorance. People not realizing if they'd get full of the word and get some faith and begin to speak faith-filled words over their life, what they're so desperate about could be changed in an afternoon. But they'll wallow in their mire and wallow in their pain, beg God to do something about it instead of doing what he said to do. Right? Beg God to move their mountain instead of doing what he said to do. Speak to that thing in faith. And if you'll not doubt in your heart, but believe that what you say comes to pass, Jesus said, you will have what you said. He said it. That sounds like ruling and reigning to me. Glory to God. My, my, my. Well, that's point one. (laughs) Oh, my. Do you have a few minutes or not? I'd like to give you two more, but not take that much time on them. Why do people say things and they don't come to pass? They don't happen. Number one is what? They didn't put faith in their words. They didn't believe what they're saying. Secondly, they didn't have a right to say it. I said they didn't have a right to say it. Let me read you some scripture. You don't have to turn to these, but just listen. Isaiah 8.10. Isaiah 8.10. Talking about people who are rebellious against God. The Lord told them, take counsel together. And it shall come to nothing. Speak the word and it shall not stand. For God is with us. They were trying to speak something, but it was contrary to what God said. And God said, say it all you want to. It's not going to stand. Lamentations 3.37, 3.37 says, Who is he that says, and it comes to pass, when the Lord commands it not? Who is he that says, and it comes to pass, when the Lord commands it not? You know, the devil tried that, didn't he? He tried to exalt himself. Uh, He said, I will ascend into heaven. I will exalt my throne upon the stars. I will sit on the mount of the congregation. I will ascend upon the heights of the clouds. See, he knows how God operates. He knows how things operate. What's he trying to do? He's trying to release faith in his words to rebel against God. But when he got through with all his confessions, God said, you will be brought down to hell. So now whose words are going to stand? The devil's or his? No. Our speaking must be in line with what God said. Right? Both by his word, the written word, and by his spirit. But now another application of this is I do not have unlimited rights to speak in your life. You do not have unlimited rights to speak in my life. If you say, Brother Keith is going to be a flop and is going to go broke. 
lot of people hear something like that and they go, Oh, brother, can you pray for me? They're putting a curse on me and, and I don't know what I'm going to do. Well, I tell you, you better quit whining and stand up and do something about it. The first thing is fear not. How can somebody curse whom God has blessed? If I say I'm thriving and going over and I'll prosper wonderfully, your words mean nothing. Because I have more authority to speak in my life than anybody else. Right? If you say, well, you're going to die, you ain't going to make it. And I say, I will not die. I will live and declare the glory and works of God. Then your words have no bearing. Because my words have more authority in my life than anybody else's. And so sometimes people have said things, even over loved ones. And they didn't happen. Are you with me now? And they think, well, I said it. I said it and I believed it. Yeah, but what did they believe? There are situations where you do not have unlimited rights to speak over them. You're trying to reign in their life and their words carry more weight than yours. Do you understand that? So what we've got to do is learn to work with people. You may know what God can do, but we don't just receive according to what God can do. We receive according to our faith. So you begin to talk to people, what are you believing? Where are you at? And you don't act condescendingly. You don't go, well, why don't you just believe to pay for the whole thing? They say, well, I'm going to believe money for a payment. Well, let's just believe to pay it all off. Well, they're not receiving through your faith. It's their bills. It's their stuff. Well, I'm just going to say that it's all paid for. You may get nothing. Because what are they believing? And if you're forceful and pushy enough, you can get somebody to say with you what you're saying. That doesn't mean they believe it. They can say stuff just to get you to shut up. (laughs) Right? Don't be hasty to try to get somebody to say something or do something. Ask questions. And while you're listening to them, more importantly, listen to the one on the inside of you. And endeavor to find out where they are. I did that for decades. Working in the healing school at the Hagen Ministry. And it took me a while, but I began to find out, I've got to find out where they are. I can't just come in and say God can do anything and we're just going to believe this and I'm going to believe this for you. You wish that, but if you could do that, you'd just claim salvation for everybody. Right? Just believe them saved whether they want to or not. But you can't. I said you can't. Now your faith can play a factor. Your faith, you can believe God even if they don't want to talk about God until God enlightens them and brings them to the point of decision. Even if they say no, you can believe God. He'll bring them back again and again, but it's still their choice. It will always be their choice in the final analysis. So just saying things over people, people say it and it didn't come to pass. You've got to realize you do not have unlimited authority to speak over other people's lives. And thirdly, see I told you we wouldn't take as much time. <laughs> thirdly, people say things and they didn't come to pass. 
Because they said later things that nullified their first confession. They said things afterwards. They said things the next day or the next week that nullified what they had said. I know some people had a son who was greatly troubled and all kind of problems in his life. And I had prayed with them and prayed with them about and talked with them about some of these things. About believing God and and they'd get pumped up. And years passed, and this person's still floundering around. And one day in my office, I wasn't even thinking about this family, wasn't even thinking about this individual, and this came up in my heart. They're undoing their prayers with their words. They're undoing their prayers with their words. Because I knew we were praying good prayers. But then I began to realize a month or two or three months later, they'd call me and go, I just don't know what in the world we're going to do. They're just not doing this and they're not doing that and it's not working. Well, see, you just undid what you said before. You said you believe they're coming out. Now you say you believe they're not. You nullify your good confession with one of unbelief. How many realize we got to be consistent? Right? Once we pray a thing, we must be consistent with it. Tomorrow and the next day. That's why you don't just say something hastily off the top of your head. Because this is something i got to stay with. So I look at it. I think about it. I weigh it. I ponder my heart. Make sure this is what I should say. Even if I have to check it for weeks or months. Oh, but when I say it, I'm going to be saying the same thing the next day. And the same thing the next month. And the same thing the next year. And stand forever if it takes it. Right? Think about God. He said things about the Messiah. Millennia. Before it happened. Think about his patience and his faith. He'll say something. Centuries pass. Is he moved? Looks further from it than it ever was. Is he moved? No. He never quits. He never gives up. You weigh your words, but then once you say them, you stay with your words. You hold fast the confession of your faith without wavering. We're we're there. We're, We're at the finish of this, but you're not excited enough. So as soon as you get excited enough, we'll, we'll, we'll be done. And part of this is my job. But what do you mean, Brother Keith? You've got to stay with what you say. You've got to stay with it. Right? And you keep saying the same thing, saying the same thing, saying the same thing. Phyllis and I had to say year after year after year, we're rich. We're rich. We did not look like it. We did not feel like it. We're rich. We always have plenty. We can write big checks to the work of God. We always have plenty. We can bless other people. Rich. 
We're rich and we were not in the accounts. We were not in the pocketbook. We were scrimping. We were eking and squeaking by. But we got settled. We became fully persuaded that the word of God was true. And we just kept saying it and 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 saying it year after year after year. And it's coming to pass. I said it's coming to pass. It's coming to pass. Well, I don't know. I, I, get, I thought that was all right, but I, y'all pray. The word's going to read the same before we pray, while we're praying, after we prayed. So our confession should be the same all the time. Doesn't change. Feel good, we say the word. Feel bad, say the same word. In between, say the same word. Right? Lots of bills, we say the word. No bills, say the same word. In between, say the same word. You say it, this is how you rule and reign. Not moved by what you see. Not moved by what you feel. Not moved by what other people think or say. Not moved by circumstances. Saying the same thing. That's literally what confession means. It means saying the same thing. Saying the same thing God said. He says we're healed. What do you say? He says all our needs are met. What do you say? He said we rule and reign. What do you say? I rule and I reign. I'm coming up. He always causes me to triumph. Stand up on your feet. This ministry has been brought to you today free of charge by the partners of More Life Ministries and Faith Life Church. If you would like to help send this word to others at no charge, you can become a word sender today. For more information, visit our website at morelife.org.